Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Jumping worms. Unlike red wigglers or earthworms, jumping worms are not garden good guys. They'll consume a lot of your mulch, leaving behind pellets that aren't good for your plants or your soil. And jumping worms are spreading. America's favorite retired college horticulture professor, Debbie Flower, has updated information on how you can thwart the jumping worms. About now, you might be asking yourself, what am I going to do with all the summer fruits and vegetables that my garden is producing? Well, besides canning, dehydrating, and freezing, you can donate that extra produce to a food bank or food pantry near you to feed the hungry. And it's easy. We'll tell you how. We're podcasting from Barking Dog Studios here in the beautiful Abutilon jungle in suburban purgatory. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. And it's brought to you today by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. And we'll do it all in about 30 minutes. Let's go. We like to answer your garden questions here on the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. A lot of ways you can get a hold of us. You can leave an audio question without making a phone call via SpeakPipe. Go to SpeakPipe.com slash Garden Basics on your computer or smartphone and uh, leave us a message there. You can call us, too, over a normal phone line, 916-292-8964. You can also leave a text message there, maybe pictures as well, 916-292-8964. No matter how you reach us, do tell us where you're from. You can make up a name. I don't care about that, but we do care where you live because all gardening is local you can also email in the question to fred at farmerfred.com or fill out the contact box at gardenbasics.net question today comes from sacramento let's give a listen hi fred and debbie this is sarah from sacramento my question is about jumping worms i've heard they're very destructive and unfortunately i recently found three in my yard so i'd like to know a little more about them my question has three parts First, how much of a concern are these worms for the home gardener? And second, is there anything I could or should be doing about the jumping worms? Like, should I kill the worms when I find them or just leave them be? And third, I keep reading that their castings deplete the soil. I'm wondering if that's actually true, and if so, why are these worms so different from other types of worms, which are generally good for the soil? I have heard the jumping worms eat organic matter really quickly, so could I offset this by simply adding a lot more mulch? Any other advice for me? Thank you so much. Jumping worms. Yeah, indeed. We've uh, tackled this topic before here on the Garden Basics podcast, but uh, the jumping worms are jumping all over the place. Debbie Flower is here, America's favorite retired college horticultural professor. And golly, now we have them in our own backyard, Debbie. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Right. And one of the primary ways they spread is through fishing bait. And uh, if you go to a bait shop, you may see, see uh, you know, worms intended for fishing go by a variety of names like a jumping worm or Asian jumping worm or crazy worms or Alabama jumpers or snake worms. Don't buy them. 
Right. And if you do buy them and you have bait left over at the end of your uh, little trip, get rid of them. Yes. Put them in the trash. Uh, yeah, jumping worms, uh, as uh, the caller said, basically, they kind of destroy organic matter because they have a rather big mouthpiece. Super, super, super fast. And that's the problem. Regular earthworms uh, that we're used to and maybe keep in our house to consume our kitchen waste also consume organic matter, but they do it much more slowly. And when the jumping worms re- consume all the organic matter on the surface of the soil, especially in forests or places around, you know, lakes, natural areas, then the, the, there is no organic matter on the surface of the soil that allows other plants, typically their native plants in those situations, to establish and grow. And so it's causing fast destruction of the mulch layer is causing destruction of the native plants. And they live very shallowly, unlike earthworms that tend to go vertically. The uh, jumping worms tend to live horizontally. Yes, just below the mulch layer and on top of the soil. That's one way to identify them if you find a worm there, along with their uh, their poop, their feces, their black crumbled, looks like coffee almost, uh, then that's probably a jumping worm. They're also recognizable because they do jump. And they have a white collar that goes all the way around one end, close to one end of the the worm itself. Uh, Much like a nightcrawler, which is also used as bait, has a collar, but in the nightcrawler, it's kind of a pinkish color. And in the jumping worm, it's a white color and it is smooth. It doesn't have any ridges in it. It's interesting how it's spread rather quickly. It was first reported back in around 1950-1960 in the United States. It started off in the east, jumped over to the central states, and that's where it has changed the soil composition there in the areas where it is living. Its uh, soil composition changes so that the soil is more water resistant, actually. Yeah, it becomes more mineral. Because they're not bringing their organic matter into the soil like an earthworm would do, they're leaving it on the surface and they've already broken it all the way down. The mineral component of soil becomes greater. Uh, uh, an ideal soil will have... mineral and then about 5% organic. And 5% doesn't sound like much, but it makes a huge difference in the quality of the soil. The soil gets so crumbly that it it does improve water percolation, but way too much. Yeah. That's the problem there. And uh, it's basically uh, not helping your plants out because it's destroying that matter before the microbes in the soil have a chance to work it. Right. It's not bringing it down into the soil. Uh, the, the healthy soil has a poop loop. And the bigger things that we can see like worms first eat the organic matter. They get what they can from it. They poop out their what they can't. And then the next level of organisms eats their poop and does the same thing, does their pooping, and the next level of organ- smaller organisms eats theirs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And each one releases something different into the soil that is beneficial for the plants. And we don't get that poop loop with when we have the uh, jumping worms. Oregon State University has a lot of good information online on uh, the jumping worms. I'll have a link to that in today's show notes. And they advise, too, that uh, the jumping worms and their cocoons can be transported via soil, compost, or other organic materials. So you want to check all that stuff when you're transporting material from one property to another or bringing home a new purchase and check all soil and organic material, especially if you're buying it from a, a sand and gravel yard to make sure that it doesn't have any in there. Right. And if you're getting, if there's a community or organic mulching 
uh, going on with where you live and let's say you're using your blower or rake to collect your leaves and you put them at the curb or you put them in your green waste can or however you do that you can collect the egg cases with it and then it goes to the organic waste station or maybe it gets used as mulch somewhere else and so it can be transported that way so knowing what it looks like and that it's very close to the surface is good Uh, when you bring home a potted plant you need to you can do the um Mustard check. The mustard check. Do right. I, do I need to break out the fringes on this one? Yes, you do. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting about uh, the fact that uh, maybe your nursery is selling plants with those critters in them. You Hopefully not, but uh, check them before you leave. That's for sure. Oregon State advises to buy bare root stock when possible. Good luck on that, as, as more and more plants now are potted up before they even leave the wholesale nursery to make it easier for the retailers. And uh, on a personal basis, if you do have the jumping worms in your yard and you know it, never share the compost, the mulch, the soil, or plants with a known infestation. You mix mustard and water and you pour it on the soil and the mustard irritates the jumping worms and they come up. So you know everything. It irritates all the insects, and they will come to the surface. But Is that why I don't like mustard? <laughs> it's great for leg cramps. The proportions were are written here somewhere. How do you use mustard for leg cramps? You ju- just eat it. Oh, oh okay, good. Makes, uh, <laughs> Maybe you spread it on your legs. Ooh, that'd be lovely. <laughs> One other way to control jumping worms is to heat the soil. Jumping worms in their cocoons are unable to survive temperatures above 104 degrees Fahrenheit. And increasing soil temperatures above that threshold is one way to manage jumping worm populations. You can uh, tarp sections of soil or compost that receive direct sunlight or temporarily place soil in plastic bins and place that in direct sunlight. Oregon State also says to control jumping worms, you could perform a controlled burn. Don't do that. No. No. Especially not in the West. But the mustard solution is you mix a gallon of water with one third cup of ground yellow mustard seed and pour this slowly into the soil. It won't hurt the plant, but worms, even good worms, will come to the surface and you can check for the bad guys. How long does it take for the worms to come up? It's going to be pretty quick. If I had known this when I was a kid, I would have done it in my grandfather's compost pile because he liked to collect worms for fishing. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That that's It what, just irritates them, you know, the mustard. What? What's in it that does that? Uh, good mustard. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know specifically. So, again, that's uh, one-third a cup of ground mustard seed to a gallon right. of water. Yes. And dump that on your garden soil if you think you have well, when jumping you, worms. One way of bringing them in is is bringing is having them come in in a container plant. So mm, if some yeah. somebody was using compost as, as the mix, some grower was using compost as the mix, or, or they set the containers on the ground, which is a no no. There should be gravel, etc. But under the pots and the, the worms crawled in the drain holes. Let's say, and you want to just be sure that you're not bringing them into your your pristine garden. And that's the other reason to check all containers uh, when you buy them at the nursery. Look at the bottom of the container for slugs. Right. It's a common place for slugs to hide. Right. So, brush it off. Yeah. And if you hire equipment 
Did you mention this already? No. If you hire equipment, somebody to rototill, don't do that very often. Uh, maybe you're starting a garden or somebody to aerate your soil. Or if you're in the business and you're bringing in even bigger equipment that has tracks, etc., or big tires, write in the contract that you want it to come in clean, soil-free, and leave clean. That way it's not bringing the worms to you or weed seeds for that matter, and it's not taking whatever's in your yard to the next person. And that also goes, if you have jumping worms, check your shoes because you don't want to be moving them around the yard. Yes, yes. So there's no particular control right now. There's no chemical. There's no uh, one-shot-fits-all. So we have to be aware of them. We have to look for them. We have to do what we can to prevent spreading them. The handout from Oregon State University called Jumping Worms, a guide to identifying a new invasive species. Uh, We'll have a link to that in the show notes, and it has uh, pictures of the worms. We'll also have links to videos of the jumping worms, too, where you can watch them jump so you have a good idea of what you're dealing with. And and yes, indeed, they do jump. So jumping worms, uh, they're jumping into a garden near you, so be on the lookout. Unfortunately, yeah. Debbie Flower, thank you. You're welcome, Fred. You've heard me talk about the benefits of Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric container. Smart Pots are sold around the world and are proudly made 100% right here in the USA. Smart Pots is the oldest and still the best of all the fabric plant containers that you might find. Many of the imitators are selling cheaply made fabric pots that fall apart quickly. Not Smart Pots. There are satisfied Smart Pot owners who have been using the same Smart Pots for over a decade, actually approaching 20 years. When you choose Smart Pot fabric containers, you know you'll be having a superior growing experience with the best product on the market. And your plants will appreciate Smart Pots too. Because of the 1 million microscopic holes in Smart Pots, your soil will have better drainage and the roots will be healthier. They won't be going round and round on the outside of the soil ball like you see in so many plastic pots. The air pruning qualities of smart pots creates more branching of the roots, filling more of the usable soil in the smart pot. Smart pots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value hardware stores nationwide. To find a store near you or to buy online, visit smartpots.com slash Fred. And don't forget that slash Fred part. On that page are details about how, for a limited time, you can get 10% off your Smart Pot order by using the coupon code FRED. Use it at checkout from the Smart Pot store. Visit smartpots.com slash FRED for more information about the complete line of Smart Pots lightweight, colorful, award-winning fabric containers. And don't forget that special Farmer FRED 10% discount. Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. You want to start the backyard fruit and nut orchard of your dreams, but maybe you don't know where to begin. Or maybe you're currently growing fruit and nut trees and you've got a million questions, such as what are the tastiest fruits to grow? Where can I go to buy some of these delectable fruit and nut trees you've been reading about? And then how do you care for all of these trees, including planting, pruning, and harvesting? I've got one online stop in mind for you where all these questions you might have will get answered. It's DaveWilson.com. That's Dave Wilson Nursery, the nation's largest wholesaler of fruit and nut trees for the backyard garden. They have planting tips, taste test results, and links to nurseries in your area that carry Dave Wilson fruit trees. 
Click on the Home Garden tab at DaveWilson.com for all of these links, including a link to their years of informative videos about growing fruit and nut trees that they've posted on the Dave Wilson Nursery YouTube channel. Start the backyard orchard of your dreams at DaveWilson.com. Every day in every corner of the United States, children and adults are worrying about finding enough food to put on the dinner table while thousands of pounds of food are being thrown away from backyard gardens, from small farms. Millions of Americans are unable to get enough fresh food to maintain proper health. The United States has a malnourished population that needs more than processed foods in order to thrive. So many incredible food banks, pantries, and other hunger organizations are working tirelessly to alleviate hunger in our communities, but they consistently lack in donations of fresh produce. Luckily, you can help. By making regular donations of unused fresh produce to your local food pantry, you can be a part of the solution to increase the health of people in your neighborhood. And you can donate food that you grow or food that you buy. It's easy. The trick is finding the food pantry nearest you. And you can do that through an incredible site called ampleharvest.org. We're talking with Gary Oppenheimer. He's with ampleharvest.org. He's the founder. It's a unique nationwide resource that is eliminating the waste of food, the outcome being a reduction in hunger and malnutrition, along with an improved environment. There's something like 42 million Americans who grow food in home gardens, community gardens, and their small farmers as well, who could easily donate their excess harvest to one of over 8,600 registered local food pantries spread across all 50 states. And Gary, I, I want to tell you, first of all, about my uh, experience with your website, ampleharvest.org. There is a page there where you can go and, and find the food pantry nearest you. And I set a search of 15-mile radius around my house. And up popped, I'm counting, 14 food pantries I never knew existed, including one that is within walking distance. And it's amazing how easy it could be for people who have an excess of tomatoes or squash or peppers or melons or fruit, where to take it to and how convenient that is. What was your inspiration, Gary, for starting AppleHarvest.org? That's a great question, actually. Uh, there are two things, of, two pieces of, in, of inspiration. One was I grew up with don't waste food. My grandparents always told me, you know, finish what's on your plate. Kids are starving in Europe. So not wasting food was always inculcated into me. Um, but as an adult and a master gardener, I was growing more food than I can use. And I couldn't, I didn't want to go to waste. My wife said, you can't bring any more of this stuff in the house. And I struggled to find a place to donate the food to. Um, I turns out I found a battered woman's shelter in my town. I'm in northern New Jersey. But when I had gone on Google to find out where are their food pantries, Google said the nearest one was 25 miles away in another city. And I had an epiphany in March of 09, and I realized, wait a minute, this is an information problem. This is not a food problem. People aren't hungry because America doesn't have enough food. We actually throw away half the produce, never gets consumed. The problem gardeners across America have always had was myth and missing information. The misinformation was what we were all told at food drives, that you can only donate jars or cans or boxes, but no fresh food. We gardeners took away from that, you can't donate the extra tomatoes. 
The missing information was where is a food pantry and what's a good day of the week and time of day to donate it. When I realized that this was the information problem, I realized the solution was a, a web-based, an internet-based uh, uh, program that would both educate gardeners about their capacity, that they can indeed donate food, and to where to donate it near them, and the optimum day of the week and time of day. And that timing is super important because if you, if a food pantry, for argument's sake, was distributing food to hungry families on Sunday afternoons, the ideal time for you to bring it in is Sunday morning, which means the ideal time for you to harvest is either sun, sa- Sunday morning or Saturday night. So the food would go from your garden to the food pantry to a hungry family in hours. Number one, the food pantry didn't have to buy refrigeration. And number two, the hungry family was getting food fresher than you and I can buy in a supermarket. It's truly garden fresh food. And the whole thing came together for me in a one four-hour um, session on, on my computer. And seven weeks later, with the help of two volunteers, May 18, 2009, Ample Harvest Dog rolled out. And it's been growing in reach and impact ever since. We're going to be using a couple of terms here that people may get confused. I find it confusing as well. Maybe you can explain it. We will be talking about food banks and food pantries. What is the difference? Oh, this is a fun question. All right. For most of America, for all of America, a food bank is a large industrial warehouse type operation. There are around 200 of them in America. They're part of the Feeding America Network. And these are large warehouses where large amounts of food come in and large amounts of food are then redistributed out to the local programs where hungry families go. Those local programs uh, where hungry families go, there are around 33,500 across America, are usually called a food pantry and in some states a food cupboard or food shelf or food closet. The exception, as far as I know, was Oregon and Washington where those local programs are also called food banks. And you said a little bit ago that I think in, in Sacramento, they're also sometimes called food banks. So in the vernacular, in the common language of food banks, where, where a hungry family gets food, but in the real system, the, there's a distinction. And the reason I had to create ampleharvest.org was because when the food went from uh, a food drive to a food bank to a food pantry, it took too long. But when it went from a food drive or my garden, for that matter, to a food pantry, it could happen in 15 minutes. So uh, this was an architectural discussion. This this is great for linguistic nerds, but it's, um, <laughs> if people want to use the word food bank, that's perfectly fine. But I'll use the word food pantry just to be more correct. Ampleharvest.org is geared to a wide range of gardeners. You've got home gardeners, new gardeners, farmers and food producers, master gardeners, and school gardens. And boy, I'm thinking about food waste and all of a sudden, wow, school gardens? I wonder what they're doing with all that excess food that they're growing in their uh, little school, especially when it may be happening in the summertime and there isn't anybody there to harvest it. School gardens, you're absolutely right. It's also camp gardens, by the way. But a school garden, you've, you've planted the stuff, and then the kids are gone for the summer, and who's harvesting? Or the camp. The camp had a garden, and come the end of August or September, when kids go back to school, who's harvesting? So they have the opportunity to um, also donate the food. By the way, as do other places that don't think of themselves as gardens. You might have a golf course that has citrus fruits raining down. You might have a public park, for example. So there's lots and lots of opportunity for food to be donated from different places. 
the work we're doing is to enable as much wholesome, healthy, fresh, locally grown food to get to food pantries as possible. Because that not only reduces hunger across America, but it also improves the nation's health and well-being. Uh, the, the healthier your diet, obviously, the healthier you are. I'll just give you one number which blew me away when I learned about it. Cisco Systems, the internet company, did an analysis of ampleharvest.org uh, years ago. And it's online at ampleharvest.org slash study if you want to see it. And their analysis was... If every gardener in America knew that he or she could donate food, sur their surplus food, and if every food pantry in America was on ample harvest that are able to receive the food, the nation's health care costs would drop $58 billion a year. I always believe that the word pharmacy should be spelled F-A-R-M-A-C-Y because uh, healthy, homegrown, fresh farm food is one of the best ways to get your health back. Absolutely. And when you think about two of the leading uh, causes of ill health in America are, are obesity and diabetes, which are both costly in terms of your own well-being and costly in terms of just the medical care involved. Those are both diet-impacted diseases. You improve the diet, you reduce those diseases, you have a healthier and, frankly, by extension, a wealthier nation. One of the categories you have that you're appealing to is called new gardeners, but uh, there's a subset of that that we were talking about before the interview called the accidental gardener, and, and they can also uh, participate with ampleharvest.org. Yeah, uh, I wrote a blog article about that earlier this year, the accidental gardener, and people ask, well, what's an accidental gardener? Either you're a gardener or you're not. And I had realized that if you buy a house, and the house came with a fruit tree that somebody previously planted, apples, oranges, what have you. You may not think of yourself as a gardener if you don't you know, get your fingers dirty and garden. But the reality is that every year the tree is raining down on you all this wonderful food, the apples and the oranges or what have you. And so I uh, describe that person as the accidental gardener. That person, too, has the opportunity to donate the food. I was named CNN Hero in April 2010. The day I was named CNN Hero, I received an email from somebody in the Southwest who said that the prior year before he'd heard of ampleharvest.org, he had thrown away eight 55-gallon drums of citrus fruit because he didn't know he could donate it. This is a huge opportunity for the um, country. And the reality is we haven't even started tackling that yet. So the $58 billion number was based on the, re the gardeners who know they garden, not the accidental gardeners. So these numbers are all going to be subject to change. And I also want to give you other, one other number subject to change. You started this with saying there are 42 million gardeners in America. That's pre-COVID. The data we're now seeing from uh, partners in the industry uh, speaks to 58 million people, and it may well be growing higher as millions more people start their own gardens. And I strongly believe that when we get past COVID-19, most of the people who started gardening are going to continue to garden. That means more people gardening and more healthy, fresh food for the hungry families on a permanent basis. Look, one thing's really important. When you grow a garden, and I have my own garden, you're growing it for your own enjoyment and for your own family. You should be enjoying that food first. The food, however, that you grow that's in excess of what you can use or preserve or share with friends should never be going to waste. That's the food that should be donated to a local food pantry. 
And that's whether you're a backyard gardener or maybe you got herbs growing in a kitchen window or you're in a community garden, it doesn't really make any difference. And by the way, also the amount of surplus is not terribly important either. Don't feel bad. I only got five tomatoes to donate. Donate your five tomatoes. It'll be commingled with all the other people with five tomatoes and 500 pounds of tomatoes at the table. The important thing is that the food is eaten by somebody and nourishes somebody in the community. It's good for the community. Frankly, it's good for the planet because food waste is a contributing factor to climate change. And it's a wonderful way of people helping their neighbors in need by reaching into their backyards when they can't afford to reach into their back pocket. Today, we are at work, as you had said, in 50 states in about 4,200 communities. And today, we're approaching 9,000 food pantries, which is about a quarter of America's food pantries, which is great. That means we have three quarters of America's food pantries yet reach, engage, and work with and work with those surrounding gardeners. So we have a lot of work ahead of us, and your dollars certainly get us uh, a long way towards succeeding on that. If you've got excess food, you know where to go. Ampleharvest.org will aim you to the food pantry nearest you. Gary Oppenheimer is the founder of Ampleharvest.org. Gary, thanks for a few minutes of your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Everybody, please stay safe. I will leave you with one final note. Um, in these COVID, COVID time, we have guidance on the site for the gardener on how to be COVID safe when they're both growing the food for themselves and making the donation of food. So when you come to ampleharvest.org, take a moment, read the couple of bullet points on there. That'll keep you, the food, and the food pantry staff safe so that the good you're doing really is good and and, uh, nobody gets sick. So thank you very, very much. If you're an organic gardener, especially a strict organic gardener, have you ever wondered, is chicken manure fertilizer really organic? Yes, the USDA and many state regulating agencies have okayed chicken manure as an organic fertilizer, and that's been true for decades. However, in the past 20 years or so, the majority of corn and soybean grown in the United States has evolved. It's now grown from genetically engineered seed for a variety of reasons. The GE source corn and soybean harvest makes up the bulk of what's fed to the nation's commercial chicken flocks, and that end product literally becomes fertilizer. Should GE manure be considered organic? And we will also explain the difference between genetically engineered and a genetically modified organism, a GMO. And there's a difference, a big difference. It's in the next Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter out Friday, August 5th. Find a link to it in today's show notes or visit our website, gardenbasics.net. That's where you can sign up to have the free Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter delivered to your inbox each Friday. Also at GardenBasics.net, you can listen to any of our previous editions of the podcast, as well as read a transcript of the podcast episode you're listening to now. That's at GardenBasics.net. For current subscribers, look for the Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter on Friday, August 5th in your email. Take a deeper dive into gardening with the Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter, and it's free. Find the link at GardenBasics.net. 
Garden Basics with Farmer Fred comes out every Tuesday and Friday, and it's brought to you by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. Garden Basics, it's available wherever podcasts are handed out. For more information about the podcast, visit our website, gardenbasics.net. And that's where you can find out about the free Garden Basics newsletter, Beyond the Basics. And thank you so much for listening.